This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. Taj, what's good, man? What's going on, man? How you doing? How you feeling? I feel good. It's hot out in L.A. Yeah. Uh, I'm missing home. Missing right. home, but uh, I'll be home soon. I'm always looking for excuses to come home. So That's what's up, man. Hey, well, thank you for joining us and, and doing this today. You know, this, this is a, a conversation series that's the first of its kind, you know, in terms of a professional sports team on a weekly basis getting involved with the the best and brightest of its community to speak about issues that affect us, especially in our black community, you know? So I thank you and many others who've participated so far. We started with one of our new players, second baseman for the A's, good brother. And then we, we had a conversation last week with Shayla from So Oakland and Tiffany. And, you know, now it's you. And it just, it gets better every week. Everybody's been amazed. I, I just want to, acknowledge you for you know representing the town your work and in your career and your craft and say we appreciate you my brother yeah I'm man. Looking forward and, to and man man you you've been on my mind for so long and, and turned know, right me too my you know i hear about you when i lived in la people used to think i was you you know said, uh, yeah, you? people <laughs> think i was you they like a toss i'm like yeah they'd be like to, to show me, I'd yeah, be like, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all love, man. Yeah, it's it all is. Love. Even just the whole promo situation leading up to today. I mean, I have people on IG hit me up, you know, like Dwight Elder was hitting me up. You know, he works with Future, yeah, the South. So, shout out to Dwight and everybody who's been yeah, shout out to Dwight for sure. Shooter, I, I love yeah, him, yeah. man. He's, he's shooter, kid. shooter, my guy. Yep. So yeah, man. Look, tell us, tell us a little bit about you and, and your your background. I mean, obviously, you have deep, deep roots to this. Give us, give us some information about your family, your background, and how you got started in entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, for for everybody out Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Uh, actually, I, I left from LA when I was eight years old and moved to uh, East Oakland. My mother fallen in love and. Moved back, and she didn't. She's a young mom, so she didn't really know how to take me yeah. again. So she said we were going on, and I never came back to LA. You know what I'm saying? Until yeah. I was 26, and so we moved to East Oakland, and it, it was like like culture shock. It was like I came, I came to East Oakland. I moved to Maxwell Park, you know, between like 55th and High Street, right. and it was it was Raider Nation. Right. It was AIDS this. It was too short that. It was. It was talking different, and, and, and I had to, like, I had to catch on quick, man, but they embraced me. Open embraced me. It was a place that was like, man, where are you from? Oh, we'll get you in shape. Take this hat off. You're going to put this on. You're going to do this. You're going to You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I was putting clothes on and putting new hats on. I was like, I, I guess I'm from Oakland. Yeah, you got to talk like this, though. Man, you talk funny. And it was like, I had to, like, adapt really fast, but right. the culture was rich. It was so rich that I wanted to be a part of it. And I, I, I like, uh, I wrote this book called Turbulence um, a few years ago. 
And in that book, I described meeting my stepfather who got me in shape and got me ready for the exterior world outside those doors. He's like, look, this is how it's going to be. This is not because I came from like Beverly Hills. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, it, it was, it, it was insane, man. But I learned so much. Um, I was given a lot of freedom at a young age to explore. Um, <clears throat> but I was all disciplined too. I was given a lot of discipline too. And so I, um, I got to see, I got to see all sides of the world. Like once I start, once I started to be able to ride bark by myself, I'm everywhere, man. <laughs> Zooming, camera. And I was always wishing I could take photos of these things that I saw. And so I started doing that. And um, from there, it just, it led to me wanting to see the images move like kind of fast too. And from there, the next thing I know, I was shooting music videos. And then I got this phone call that made me, it took me international. And there was a phone call uh, basically from Rihanna, you know, saying, hey, I want you, you know, we want you my mentor at the time, Anthony Mandler. He just fast tracked me and threw me in the fire. I felt like my entire life, even from moving from LA to Oakland, um, Oakland coming back to LA, I was always thrown into the fire, but I was always ready. So that's dope. Yeah, that's dope, man. So, so what would you, what would you tell an aspiring director or photographer, you know, trying to get in the game from from a community like Oakland or LA, and you know, especially from your background and, and how your career has blossomed, what are some tips, game insights you would give to, to a young creator, you know, out there trying to hustle right now? Right. Well, I would say, you know, you have, you want to get better. You want to get better. You want to learn yourself. And so there's a big difference. Um, there seems to be a big difference between going out and working and creating work for yourself so that you can, you, you can get better creating, um, Work where you can work on your craft and pay. And the thing is, is that you want to work on your portfolio. You you want to blur the lines between the work that you're not getting paid practicing and the work that you're getting paid for, so that so that your body of um, your body of work can, can be better. We can understand who you are, and you need to create work for yourself. You need to create that narrative. Get some things together. Go and get um, people that you go to school with and create it. Write little scripts. Write scenarios. You know. Um, do anything that you can. Go grab a Dorito bag from down the store. Go shoot a, a Doritos commercial. Do whatever you can to get better. To get better and critique yourself. Be honest with yourself. Keep honest people around you. Let everyone know that doesn't help me if you say that everything's good. It doesn't help me if you're not. Let me know what you think can be done. You want that constructive criticism. You want to break that layer about yourself where you where you are sensitive to criticism. Um, it's the only way that you're going to get better so everything that you do um should be for the outside world uh, as a creative right. i call it the number two rule too um being doing this is it, the rule is be number two make the world number one right and if you make yourself number two uh everyone will look at you as if you're, as if you're number one you know what i mean and that, and that just means that you have to be selfless yeah have to be selfless in what you're doing and take on that responsibility that you're putting something out into the world you have the ability to put these uh, excuse me. Yeah, the ability to put these things out into the world. So you have to, you have to continue to do that. I have a two-year-old. Mom, okay. Mom, I appreciate you. Huh? Thanks. <laughs> it's all good. Sorry, guys. It's, it's I have a two-year-old. Okay. I have a two-year-old. I, mean, look, <laughs> I have to send my kids outside, man. So listen, I understand. I told them, like, listen.
Daddy's gonna be busy right. outside and play. <laughs> no, not, not right there. No, it's all good, man. No, we we it's dad life. It's yeah. dad life, you know. Trust me, I got it too. Well, I mean, look, I think this conversation, man, is is there's so many areas of of discussion that I want to yeah. have with you. And this series is is really centered around our current zeitgeist, you know, what's going on in black culture, black community, and specifically our community of Oakland and making sure that we're bringing our talent back to have a dialogue and to see how we can really make, make change, make progress. Right. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, not only, not only from your creative side, but just from your, your consciousness, you know, where right now in terms of how are you, what's going on in the world, and how is that going to transform your art if it hasn't already? And where, where would you like to see things go from here in terms of, you know, work in the community, your work with other artists? What are you being inspired to do right now in terms of what you've seen? I mean, my job is to tell the truth. My job is to tell the truth. Um, how I feel, you know, when, when everything when I first started happening, but like, when the protests start, start, first started happening, I was like right in the thick of it in LA. Um, and I took a walk one morning, I think it was at the first start protesting and I was looking around and my feelings were hurt. Mm. And I felt like, I feel like I'm gonna be honest, it's like, you know, I haven't woke, I've never waken up, never waken up in the morning and that I mattered. And mm. I know that I matter, I know that I'm more than matter. Um, I have extremely huge dreams every time I speak to schools, every time that I speak to young black men, anytime I, can, I try to build them up and let them know that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. It's important for them to be able to relate to me. Even when I go on set, I bring young black men on set all the time. Hey, come on set. I want you to see how this goes. And I want to make sure that they understand I'm just like it. There's nothing different. You can do this. You can do this, man. Like, you can really do this. You can do whatever it is that you want. I always tell them about the code, about breaking the code. And the code is that they want you to think that you can. They want you to think that it's hard. They want you to think, like, I even told them the 10,000 hours that you got to put in, right. all that stuff, man. That's like uh, smoke and mirrors, yeah. man. You can do whatever you want. Uh, whatever you can do, you can go and you can do it. And I continue to drive that narrative from, from my seat, from where I am. Um, I, I, uh, I've been sitting back work that I can do, and obviously my industry is slightly shut down right now. Um, so shooting has been a little bit hard, um, and doing things a little bit has been a little bit hard. And I still have my brain on um, what are the things that I can do when we when we do come back, back out of this pandemic. Um, but honestly, I'm just gonna continue to spread the word, continue to spread the word, continue to um, to, to 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 do my job, continue to just I don't know to, to motivate and. Um, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. I'm looking forward to the world opening back up um, so, so, that, so that I actually can, so, yeah. No, that's what's up, man. No. So, so thinking about, thinking about the, the pandemic, you know, what's going on right now, as you mentioned, the industry's yeah. affected. All, what, what are you doing right now? How are you spending your time? You know, what are you investing in at the crib? Or you know, how are you? How are you taking advantage of this time? You know, for yourself. Um, and for, yeah. 
really I've just been like getting my polio together. Um, it's, it's been something that I always do like every other year, sometimes every two years. Um, so I'm just organizing, organizing my business, um, organizing, um, looking for representation, commercial representation, um, just just basically checking off the boxes for everything, all my artwork, getting my show together. Um, I have a, a show that was supposed to be this past April, but we were, you know, we we're on lockdown um, or quarantine, but um, I have a show at the Sofitel wow. um, coming up um, when, when we're okay, when we're, when we're healthy. Um, and so I've been getting work for that and creating work for, I have some work that I created that's um, based on um, going on, um, I actually did a piece as well that I posted on my Instagram um, that I wish I probably wouldn't have because Instagram only gives you so much space and large. Um, but I, I did a piece that I posted on my Instagram. I'm probably, probably going to archive it so that when people see it again, it's nice. It's, it's massive. And it's a, it's a centerpiece of my show. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been creating. I've been creating and just following my heart and uh, asking myself questions and then trying to develop those questions and those theories and to art. That's what's up, right? Yeah. Well, and my mom's here. My mom is here with my son. She came down to watch my son and spend some time with him while I can uh, get some of those things together. He's two years old and he's not a terrible two, but he's a two, so. 100%. So help me understand, as, as we talk about Oakland and just transition transition back to Oakland a little bit, you know, what, do you, what are you hearing up here? You know, when you talk to your people, that are in this area, what are they telling you? How are you reacting to what you've heard about things ta- taking place you know, here in the town as it relates to you know, not only the protests, but just our, our, our cultural sort of community, right? Around black people and how we've been impacted not only recently, but you know, since you were eight, when you moved up here and how this community has changed, you know, what, what have you picked up in terms of your reaction and how we can really preserve that cultural community of Oakland that kind of has like that, you know, you, you can't fake it, right? Well, I and came you know, home. You know I came home one time and uh, I was in West Oakland. I went to West Oakland. Um, I forgot the name of the restaurant, but I went to get some breakfast in West Oakland and I noticed, I noticed that they were, they were just laying on their lawns and sitting out on the lawn. I had heard about gentrification and I, and I, and I saw what was going on and it, and it kind of scared me because I was like, well, I'm used to West Oakland being a place where I go and I see my people everywhere. And now I was like, well, if they're not in West Oakland, my people are in West Oakland, then where, where are they going to the city? Like, where are my people going? Because if they're being moved out, what direction is it? And I'm looking, I look further west and I see San Francisco. I know they're not going to San Francisco. It's too expensive. But I'm like, where are they going? So I'm here and they're going to other places that honestly don't have cultures. Um, you know, they don't have these, 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 these history to be proud of and to be, and to be a part of. So then I start thinking about their children. And I'm like, well, what are their children going to be raised, raised on? And what, what, and what are they going to know? What are they going to be, what are they going to have a chance to be a part of? Um, and that's scary. That's really scary. And so, you know, I was talking to my boy Rick and I said, yo, um, what's up? And he's like, man, you need to come home. Home. You need to come home. You know, they need to come home and stuff. 
in the community. And he was just straight up about it. That's what he said. And so I was like, okay. So I will be coming home. Be coming home soon. Um live here. My business is here. Everything is here. So I have to get have to get things together here um before I can come before I can come there. But I'll be home soon. No, that's what's up, man. We need you. We need all of our talent, you know, to to be present. And that's what we're trying to do with this this conversation series is is tap in. You know, tap in with people, not only athletes, entertainers and you know, politicians, but we want to tap into the fabric of the community and, and make sure your voices are heard because, you know, the A's are the town's team now, right? So as, as that civic asset of pride, if you will, that's, I, think that's, I think that's the moniker of Richmond, pride and purpose, but it's all Bay Area love. I mean, we want to make sure that we're representing the culture to the fullest and giving you our platform, you know, to right. make sure we can share your experience and educate our audiences and, and, and get them to know you and others as well that may have not heard of you, right? Or heard of me. Mm-hmm. What we can do, I think, is, is educate. You know, educate people about, you know, what it is to, to be an American male, you know, working in entertainment and creating a legacy, right? For yourself and your family. So help us understand, man, you know, your journey to this point, what have you had to deal with in, in business to, to really create, you know, this, this brand that you have today? And also talk to us about, I know you did a show up here at a gallery in Oakland right. last year. Talk to us a little bit about that experience as well. And, and I know it was a body of work that you, that you presented. So tell us, tell us a little bit more about, about you know, what is like that's so, in Hollywood when we're fighting for for respect and what that was was like to bring that that experience back home last year with your with your show with your gallery show uh that meant everything to me um honestly I was nervous I was nervous because I've done shows before but coming back home it's like your home it's like homecoming it's like homecoming it's like yo it has to hit I want to make sure that everybody um I wanted to make sure that you know people from elementary school junior high, high school, Laney, everybody I've ever met. Like I wanted that, that whole group to be there and I wanted them to really feel, really feel the journey, you know? And, and sometimes when you're inside of your own project, you can see things the way that you see them, but is it going to translate like that? Is that how it's going to read? How it reads is extremely important, right? And so I, um, I was nervous and I was telling my mom, my mom it really helped me out with the show. It's like, yo, it's really has to read what about pieces last minute I'm getting pieces printed last minute and and then I just realized it was all good man people didn't just come to see the work they came to see you and celebrate and I realized almost anything could have really been on the wall it was one piece that people really gravitated to and it was called Dear Oakland and it was a collage of the things that we remember about Oakland right very staple things Mexicali Rose and and, you know, the body shows and, you know, the, Oakland, like the, the lit up Oakland Tribune and Ricky Henderson holding up 939 and, and you know, and, and the AC Transit Old School 57 bus. And uh, it was just things that made us feel good. And it was just, and the piece was the smallest piece, man. It was the smallest piece and printed it kind of small because I wanted people to be able to gather around it and really revoke it in. And um, it had me in tears, man. I, I, I just believe 
I mean, my old landlord came. I think I still owe her three hundred dollars. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like, it was like, like it's a beautiful thing, man. It was a beautiful thing, and it was just happy. I was just happy to see people and hug people and and just feel that. I mean, people even came dressed in A's. People came dressed. I thought it was a coincidence. I was like, oh, that's what, they did this on came dressed in the A's gear, A's sweat hoodies, his jerseys, and I just felt proud that this was their show. It was my show. This is their show. You know, and, and so I learned something. I learned something and I couldn't even sleep. That whole night I was just had a smile on my face. I couldn't even sleep, man. That's amazing. dope. Well we gotta get you do to do another show, man. Like it would be great to collaborate with you and you know, try and do something because you know one of the things we do is we try and showcase, you know, through whether it's at the stadium, you know, obviously once we can resume or some normalcy. You know, we can showcase art, have, you know, different opportunities to exhibit pieces and things of that nature. It'd be great to just bring more community, you know, into the space. And, yeah. and also, you know, things that we can partner with just outside of the ballpark, right? So I definitely wanted to make sure we talked about and that we can support you and, you know, us to the Taj versus Taj. I mean, it's well, I want to make sure that right, we're right, doing everything right. we can to lift you up you know, lift up, lift up our, all our whole, whole thing, man. When I also look at this whole kind of pendulum, you know, and culture, I want to think with you around, if you were to do a project about Oakland, tell me like visually, what would that look like? If you ever did a, a movie or right. a documentary, or if you wanted to shoot a video here with, with a big artist, talk to me, what would you, what would you, and visualize that project, that illustration to look like. Well, you know? It would be called I know Maxwell you... Park. It would be Maxwell called Park. Maxwell Park. Dope, yeah. dope. That's where I'm from. I'm from Maxwell Park, and uh, not because the whole entire film would take place, because it was kind of like right. Central East Oakland, and we, we we were everywhere. We expanded. You know, I was I played at Brookdale Park, softball Brookdale Park when I was a kid. I played at a Royal Park. You know, Babe Ruth baseball. I played Dynamites. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I played Babe Ruth. That's right. You know, I, know. <laughs> I played Babe Ruth. You know what I'm saying? Like I went to all the A's games, Dollar Wednesdays. I was like, we went everywhere. We traveled all about. But the, at the same time, things happened in our community. Um, I, you know, inside our community, you know, a lot of people died. Some of my best friends uh, died. Uh, there were there were um, a lot of a lot of mishaps, man. A lot of mishaps and things. Growing up in Maxwell Park, it was like it was a tight, kind of a tight knit community, but it was surrounded by violence. It was surrounded by drugs. It was surrounded by, um, I mean, now come to think of it, it was like between the ages of thirteen and seventeen. Really, real you really got to see who made what decisions, who went left, who went right, and it happened so quickly. It was like it was like funeral after enough to go to funerals, and that and that and that was um was sad. But at the same time, we saw people thrive, people get scholarships. We saw people, you know, what I'm saying, going to college, coming home with they, you know, with they, with, you know, coming home and they was doing they uh, what you call it was, you know, in uh and frats now and you know what I'm saying they pledged and they was proud of themselves and they were beaming you know and people became fathers women became mothers people got married and I feel like in Maxwell Park it being like this like this nucleus this, this nucleus of Oakland it was like you got to see everything 
you got to see everything. So I was exposed to everything you can think of. Um, and, then I, and, then, and then thinking of the names, Maxwell Park, it seems so, it seems so, um, seems so light, seems yeah. so in between. Like you don't know what you can get from a place called Maxwell Park. So I really wanted to tell that story and uh, really tell the story from the perspective of my best friend. One of my best friends, his name is Brandon, Brandon Rowe who is survivor, three-time survivor of everything. He was in the, and I know a lot of people know about this, but it was a, he was in the car when um, my a friend, you know, Deshaun, Devron, my friend Bear, all passed mm-hmm. away up the skyline. Mm-hmm. He was the only survivor. He also survived his lungs clapping, collapsing twice. He also survived mm-hmm. a bullet one time. That wasn't even, he's just a survivor overall. He lived on a street called Best, which is on the top of the hill. So who got that story than him? So when I do come home, we're gonna sit down, he's gonna record, we're gonna just record him for hours and let him narrate when I write that script. That's dope, uh, man. That's yeah. dope. Yeah, I, everybody I, knows that now. There you go. <laughs> you heard it first. You heard it first. Yeah. Conversation yep. about race with the A's. No, I mean that's important, man, that that need to be told, you know, from this community from this town and, and from the people who make the town what it is. And, you know, one of the things that I want to do, you know, with you, and I mean, I, I think I asked you a while ago if you have connected with Kugler, with Ryan Kugler. And I mean, if you haven't, <clears throat> you guys need to connect. You know, we got to figure out how to bridge all this talent together. I mean, whether that means we're working on projects or just, just in conversation with each other, you know, around you know, what, what could right. happen, right? And, and really start to program things, right? Because, you know, in the future, the A's obviously are trying to build a new, a new ballpark in Oakland. Um, the Coliseum, you know, is going to be redeveloped. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities to think about, well, what, what could be, right, in East Oakland? Right. You know, what kind of things should we have here? Should we have a movie studio? Should we have, you know, uh, a creative arts sort of, you know, community, if you will? And we need to bring in people like yourselves to hear from you, you know, to hear about, you know, what do you want to leave behind, right? right. For, for the next generation and how can we, how can we tell stories and how do we give opportunities to our, our kids? Those are the things I'm interested in doing, man. I want to, I want to showcase those moments and, and create legacy building opportunities, right? So yeah. showing kids the ropes, how do you, how do you become, an executive, you know, for a major league team? How do you become a musical artist? How do you become a director, right? And, you know, we need you. We need talent who's been successful to help edify that, help help showcase that for these kids, community. So let me ask you another question. You know, when we think about where we are, man, and, and you know, Oakland's changed, as you mentioned, what do we do? What do we do to make sure we retain the culture as much as we can. But also, I asked Shayla this last week, how do we make organizations like the A's and, you know, Kaiser, like the big companies in in the town, how do we make them a part of not only their businesses being successful, but also helping to influence the the cultural aspects, right? To make sure there's retention of uh, programs uh, in schools or you know, making sure we're supporting local small businesses and the mom and pops, the corner stores, whatever that looks like. How do you think we help maintain that organic authenticity of Oakland? In terms of uh, bringing people closer 
to, I mean, bringing these, these the younger generation closer to their dreams, I always realized that the closer I can bring them to my job, the more responsibility I can give them and bring them closer to my job, the better. Um, I've done workshops before that uh, fell flat, let me be honest with you, that fell flat because they didn't get to see what it was actually like being on set. And then I remember one time I was watching the making of uh, the Denzel movie that he was in, the Denzel the one he won the Oscar for, um, where he Training played day. the cop. Training Day. And he had he he was sitting kids in the community in the chairs and t- teaching them about the cameras and what was going on. You know what I'm saying? One of those kids works with me now, right? And he was like, that was the day. He was like, man, that from that day on, that's all I wanted to do. And it just made sense to me. It clicked to me. It's like, what can we do? What programs can we create where they're in the field? You know what I mean? Like responsibly, you know, bringing them into the field. And the closer they can get to that, the more responsibilities they can feel. They want responsibilities, you know, but they don't want to sit on all the entire time. They don't want to be giving these to do because what's the steps beyond that? They don't feel like they, they don't feel like they can move from they don't feel like they can move from the workshop into the work into the workforce. And they're not stupid. They're extremely intelligent and they understand. So you have to bring them closer to you have to, like when we're on set, I'm like, hey, yo, come over here. Uh what you think the next shop should be? And they're like, oh work. Well uh, yeah and I'm like let's think about our lenses. Let's think about this. Let's think about the need to uh to move forward to feel as close to me as possible that's the only way that it's going to feel possible is if you can bring them as close to as close to their dreams as close to uh as close to the the, the working field as possible and so that's what i do and you and, and it's not a risk right. um you have to find ways to do it in which you can still can you still can continue but you still have to bring them closer and so from my standpoint and from where i am that's what I, that's what i try to do i want to do it more so back home I, I actually am showing artists back home. I don't want to name what it, who it is yet, but we're working on that right now. And we don't know if we're going to shoot it in Oakland or, or LA. I'm hoping that it's going to be in Oakland. Really hoping it's going to be in Oakland so that I can invite you and I can invite, uh, I can, you know, invite the, the 10 kids that I always invite to set. Um, bring them to set and we can do that in Oakland and film that and show them what that looks like. So from that standpoint, from my standpoint, uh, that's what I want to do. And that's how I've seen that it's been, uh, it's been effective. I actually uh, in Africa. I went to Africa uh, years back, and um, I was I was determined. I just had those failed workshops where I felt like I didn't, there wasn't really any breakthroughs. And I went to Africa, and I was determined to. Uh, MTV sent me actually. I was determined to teach them, to teach them in in a way where they could actually learn an actual. Where they wanted me to to stay and stay in the entire time. Where they had like you know. The MT everywhere, the Shell gas station logos everywhere, and I was in, and I was just, my heart was just pumping, just beating, and I was like, "This is not how we learn." And I said, "Everybody stand up." Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. let's "Go outside," and they were like, "No, you cannot do that." And I was like, "No, let's go outside, grab your cameras, this is that." And I started teaching about foreground. I could feel it. I was like, "This is," I was like, "This is foreground." I was like, you have to use everything around you. They wanted me to teach you how to shoot an American music video, but you're not in America. You're in Africa. So this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to learn, right, around you, right? Look at, look at your environment. Remember things, right? Foreground is extremely important. It's what's in front of you, between you and the subject, and you just further and further. I mean, I've had kids go to him. I mean, kids that go to Parsons from there, from New York. I was on set shooting Ghostface Killer video, and they said, hey, you, you got you have a, a, a guest? Show, I showed up, and it was, and it was my, my, and he was like, hey, 
hey, Taj, I just want to let you know, man, uh, thank you for giving me the gift of sight. Just graduated. Moved from Africa. The reason why I moved from Africa and came to America. I mean, had me in tears, man. It's like, yo, like, like the impact. It's like you just got to keep it real with people, man. You got to keep it real. You got to you have to understand how I learned. I got to learn by, throwing, by being thrown into the fire, right? And so I threw them into the fire. I, I threw everyone else into the fire. That's, that's, that's the best way to learn. To me, it's the only way to learn. It's the only way to motivate is to get them as close to as close to the craft as possible. And, and that's it, man. That's, that's the way I learned. Maybe a little unorthodox, but it's the only way I know. I'm glad you said that because it's important to really hear you know, your truth and your journey because that's ultimately what we want this whole conversation and these series of conversations to be about, right? Like we're trying to cut through the minutia and, yeah. and get some breakthroughs around, you know, not only, not only what's happening with coronavirus, but, you know, we have 450 years, right, of, of confusion, right? And, and indirect communication that has led to not only the pandemic of coronavirus, but the pandemic of the African diaspora, right? right? And so, you know, we're lost. And our community has been lost. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, you grew up in a time and even still going on today where not only is there, there police brutality, but there's also black on black brutality, right? And black on brown brutality or vice versa. So what would you tell the people, you know, watching in terms of us being more responsible in our communities as well, you know, to make sure that we're not tearing our communities up um, we're not hurting each other, you know, uh, especially in Oakland and LA too, and all these major cities across the United States, you know, what can we do to be responsible in our communities? Because I think that's a part of this Black Lives Matter movement that has not really been touched on, you know, as much, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of protests right now. There's a lot of awareness around what we want the outside to do differently, but what can we do within our communities, you think? that would help, you know, change not only the conditions, but the mindset, you know, the, the internal aspects of, of what we need to do. Our communities, you have to really hold your children accountable and not make it something that's a, uh, that's, that's, that's an option. I think that even when I was growing up, being a part of the community, it was, it was more like an option, cleaning up the community, making sure that it stayed clean community. Um, talking to your children, educating them, showing them the results of what can happen when you go down this road versus going down that road. Um, my stepfather was, um, was, was really, was good at that. He sat me down and had this conversation with me when I was really young and said, uh, this is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to see. I want to prepare you so that you're not shocked. By I want to prepare you so that you know which way to go and you, and you don't make any decisions based off of something that you didn't know. But I'm telling you right now, you're going to see some of your friends fall behind the wayside. Some of them are going to die. Some of them are going to go to college. Some of them are going to get hooked on drugs. Some of them, and he was just, and I was, I'm never going to forget this conversation. I mean, I wrote it in my book. I was looking at him like, why is he telling me all these things? And then those, those things happened. But when they did happen, I was able to sit back and I was like, oh, he told me this was going to happen. Just like it was going to happen. And even though it was hard to hear, I was prepared for it. And I, and I was and I could sense, sense it coming. And so it's really about being honest with your children, not coddling them, not, um, 
not keeping them away from it. You know, and it's like it's a part of our it's a part of our community. And then showing them like you know this is the other side. This is who you this is who you can be. You know, what I mean, I remember I met uh, I remember when I met uh, the mayor. I was trying to try out for his baseball team. He was there. Maybe he was just there for the day. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? But I remember I met Elu Harris, and I was like, man, it's the mayor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, baseball team, man, I want to play. And it was just like, it is the mayor. And I remember when my, my, my father, you know, squeezed me through a crowd to meet Joe Morgan during the World Series. My father had pulled me out of school and was like, boy, you in trouble. Come home right now. And I was like, oh, man, what did I do? And I came home. He, he threw me. I was like, I'm taking you somewhere. And when I take you there, you better not lie. And when I got to where we went, he throws, he throws his paper bag at me. I open it up, and it's a World Series jacket. Wow. And he's like, come on, we're going to the World Series. It was a big trick. You know what I'm saying? So, but he also drove, he drove me through the hood in the station wagon. He was like, you see that? Uh, you see that right there? That's called a dope thing. That's what happens when you're on drugs. You know what I'm saying? He's using needles or he's using this. It's called crack cocaine. And this is that. This is what can happen. So he showed me I was able to see everything at a young age. And, and he would catch me off. He would catch me off guard. He would catch me by surprise and just take me in the car and just drive me around. Drive me to the Oakland Hills. This is what you can have. You, you work hard. If you do this, you do that. And so I was able to see everything. Educate your children. Be honest with them. Show them. Don't just tell them. Show them what it looks like so that they know that it exists. It's just one thing. To, it's another thing to actually show them for them for it to exist. They've burned into your brain. Everything we see is recorded into our brains. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so you can so you right. children to be well-rounded. Show them everything. Show them everything and, and let them know that it exists. They can exist as they grow up. They'll start to take those roles that lead to better paths. And that's, that's why I have my mother. I have my, my mother and my father to thank. My mother was a, you know, um, super hardworking mother and uh, was always honest with me as well. And she more so gave me like, you know, empathy, you know, to be empathetic and to see people into, into not always look at self. I remember my car got broken into it. Everything got stolen out of my car. This is when you put like the TVs in your car and everything. You know what I'm saying? Some I broke into my car first birthday and I came outside and I was all mad. Oh, my mom was like, poor baby. And I was like, I know, mom, they broke into my car. She's like, I ain't talking about you. You're talking about the mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so like, I, I, and, like, I just remember that feeling that I had. She was like, the, imagine someone having, you know, two days before Christmas so that they could feed their family. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll never forget that. Like, I, I, I'll never forget <clears throat> those lessons. That's real. Shout out, shout out to Ellie Hugh Harris. Those are my guys, man. I actually I talked to Ellie Hugh Harris the other week. For real? Um, he's like a man. Okay, yeah, for sure. Same with Joe Morgan. Joe Morgan's a man. He's a great brother and somebody I, I, lean, I lean into and talk to a lot about you know, what's going on with the A's and what's going on in Oakland and the community. So, you know, you. Well, in 1980, a, a father asked Joe Morgan to take off his World Series ring so that I could wow. wear it. That's incredible. And he was like, please, man, just for my son, man, please. You know, just so you can wear it. And I put it on. It was too big. Right. It was too big. But I, I was just, I was shocked. I was just shocked that that, that could even, uh, that could even happen. I was right. just like, <laughs> No, I'm never gonna forget it. Though. I'm, I'm almost 40 years old. I'll be 40 in December. That happened when I was nine, uh, and I'll never, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the feeling. You know? I'll tell, I'll tell him you said what's up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You remember, it was nine years old. It was about 1990. Your shoe shine. Kid came through. Right on, man. No, but it's that's that's what people gotta understand about Oakland, man. We have these these people, these legends, 
that we all got to at some point or another got to touch, right. you know, and have a memory or two or three. You know, I remember, I remember with Ricky Henderson, it's funny, now I know him, but when I was a kid, when I idolized Ricky Henderson, you know, yeah. I'm screaming his name, you know, when he was going to his car, I'm, I'm sitting out, I'm over the, you know, the, the um, BART bridge to walk from Coliseum BART into the, into the stadium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The players, they, they used to park in a park K-Lock. Right, right. Man, they were through the fence and I saw, I saw Ricky walking to him screaming at the top of my lungs, man, trying to get rid right. of attention. <laughs> finally, he finally turned around and he waved like this. He just gave me a nice little hand. I was like, right. that's my guy. You know? <laughs> he acknowledged me. Yeah, we had a moment. And then now it's like, hey, what's up, Ricky? All right, cool. You know? Yeah, right, right. Right. You know, so um, but you never forget that never. moment. You never forget that moment, man. And it's still in Ricky Henderson. Man, I saw Ricky Henderson in the I was I was just jogging up in the mountains, up in the up in the hills somewhere, man, with some of my friends. I might have been about I might have been about nineteen or something like that. And he just pulled up and like asked something to a stop sign. I mean, yeah. when I was like, man, that's Ricky Henderson. <laughs> man, I'm that. I mean, I'm in, I'm 19 years old. I'm, ch- I'm trying to chase his Escalade down in the hills, man. Like, man, and I consider myself to be a cool brother, man. I'm not chasing nobody right. down. I'm full out spring, Ricky. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, like boys in the hood. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, wait, what if this opportunity again? You know what I'm saying? Nine, three, nine, man. No. Yo, that is stats. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, boys, man, what's wrong? I'm like, man, I, I was Ricky. Ricky Henderson, right, man. Right, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you know what I'm saying? don't know today, man. They don't know how good, how good man, we, we had it. Had it great, we had man. it great, man. We had it great, man. We did. So what do we do to make sure today's athletes, you know, especially the ones from here, right, or, or that play here, I mean, you see it a lot. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you see it a lot with the Warriors, and everybody, you know, kind of knows the Warrior players, you know, a lot of the Niners, you know, et cetera, so on and so forth. How do we make sure that we get the A's players, you know, and an organization in the community like like it was once before, at least at least from the standpoint of, you know, that name recognition and and folks understanding that, you know, they represent not only the team, but but the town. Right. Like, how do you think we can we can champion that moving forward? I mean, I think we need to start doing I mean, and mind you, I'm sure you guys probably do this, but I see it to be more simple than I see it being complicated is mm-hmm. for me to bring the kids into the, bring the kids closer to the game, bring them closer to the, I remember what it was like to have bleachers seats to be in the bleachers, mm-hmm. but I also remember what it was like to luck up one day and to be sitting right behind the catcher. It was just, there was a different feeling, you know what I'm saying? So I feel we need to bring the kids we need to bring, and then we need to bring the players into the community. Like really just right. And, and get to know them because you know, the, the A's, the A's, as, as long as I've been, you know, a fan, I mean, really, 95 and 95 to now, really, it's been a team that's a team. You know, we get big players, and when those players get big, they go ahead and hit, you know, 30-something home runs, still 30 bases, and then they get shipped mm-hmm. off, right? And so that's what, what was more so about, is, like, how do we – how do we – how do we – make these players think it's on the field i think that you bring them into the community right. if you bring them into the community and, and and so that these players so that the community can get to know them outside 
of the stadium where a lot of kids don't have an opportunity to really be in the stadium and really get to know them. How are you going to get to know them? Right. The, only, the only other way is to bring them into the community, to hold them accountable, and to, uh, and to you know, to give them um, opportunity to work with these kids in the community and not just us in camps. These kids, a lot of kids don't want to play baseball, especially in inner right. city. A lot of my kids don't want to play baseball. I play baseball, but times have changed. You know what I'm saying? Like kids don't want to play baseball. So how can you relate to them? And I think that you really just need to bring them into the community. It's the only way to really like with the A's, man. I mean, it's like, even now when I look at roster, I'm having to keep up and having to look up who players are and who's who. Right. I mean, that's just the way that it is. It's what we're working right. with. So what we're working with and what you know and what you don't know about certain players, the ways to get to know them is by bringing them into the community. It's a lot easier, actually, to bring them into the community than it is to bring kids that necessarily probably aren't even – that don't um, – aren't into baseball to bring them into, into the stadium. You know what I'm saying? Once they get into the stadium and they're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is different, but in baseball and that's not your thing, then there's really no way to inspire them. They can't be on the field with the players and the players have a job to do on the field. So I feel like they need a job to do outside of the field and they need to bring them into the community where the kids can get to know them and can inspire them outside. man. So conversations like this help help make sure that, that that message is being heard. So I appreciate you for sharing that. So when we look at, when we look at the team and, and the community collectively, if you were gonna do, let's say a campaign or you were gonna do a spot, you know, about the A's, you do, how would you storyboard you know, the culture of our times as well as the past, the present and future what would you be telling? What would be your your story your storyboard for for our organization? And how would you how would you get that that message out? Like, what would you what would you use as inspiration? Because you sent me something a while ago that I thought. I would probably hold on, man. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> hey, let me tell you what I do. I would probably. I would probably. I love characters, right? I love making characters. Taking a character that knows everything, seen everything, felt everything, right? And that can compare and contrast the past to the present. That's the only person that can tell us what we need to do moving forward to get back to our championship ways and our championship time, right? This person would be a person that's been secretly living in the crevices of, in the, in the corners, in the cracks of the Oakland Coliseum, day in and day out you know what i'm saying day in and day out he's 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 uh he's writing on this huge huge wall inside of the stadium you know all the different stats all, all the different players what and how it happened he has dates for everything and this is telling us or this 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 person is telling us um giving us the information to what needs to happen for us to get back to our champion status and and he's energetic like a fan, but he's a fan. He's a historian. And this historian, like all historians, historians from um, even from our culture that tell us, you know, where we've been, where we've been, what happened with us systematically and where we need to go, right? The oppression that we face, um, all the way going back, all the way to, 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 to slavery and how it was a ripple effect. You know what I mean? It's like historians tell the best stories. They tell it with the best energy. They tell it because they have all the knowledge, right? I don't when I say a historian, I'm talking about like, like you know, art. I'm talking about like a 
a great test when it comes from the person that was there, that seen it all, not just read it all, not memorized it all, but seen it all. And that's no, that's no disrespect to the people that are, are educators that are young, that, that have um, that have educated themselves or been educated about the past, but a person that's still there, still has the mind, the sharp mind, still has the heart, and has been and holds the truth. And that person would tell everything that happened starting from 1989, right? Last time we won a World Series, right? When we beat the Giants, battle of the day, and all the way until now, right? And then would um, he would story not just of the team, but he would tell a story of the city was going through these things uh, in 1990 when we lost to the Ray. And then, and how we've been battling back ever since, and what we've had to defend the stadium and outside the stadium. And we, we would refer to the park home runs being being inside the park home runs, uh, relating to things that we did, um, things that, that we did when we came to in the community. Then you talk about this, you know, and then this would be related to gentrification, you know, and, and, and it would be a whole entire story, it would be a whole entire story of what happened. Let's see, let's see, Grandma. Story of what happened, um, what happened in the stadium and outside the stadium, but using baseball and using the history of the A's to kind of relate to what was happening on the outside of the stadium. Because the A's are the only baseball team that I know of. This is city thing. It's A's are the only, only the, the last remaining team. Right. Because the A's, though, it may not be the most popular team is still the heart of the city because they're the ones that will there's they're the ones that 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 that, that you know saying that was this will, will this be like the the third time the stadium was rebuilt yeah like the third time i remember when there was no big bleachers right and there was no big age right. i remember when it was low and it looked like the dodger stadium i remember because my stepfather worked on it you know what i'm saying he worked on the stadium he was proud of it and now we're going through another rebuild we're constantly doing things to keep our team there even if you don't know the players right. because it's not about that. This baseball team isn't about that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's about keeping something at home and keeping something there that's professional and that's still inside the MLB where we can look up to, that our children can look up to, so that we can build things around it. Maybe they're not meant to win a World Series right now. Maybe that's not what it's about right now. Man, to be honest with you. I love I love that concept, and I want to put you in touch. It's Tanya, who runs marketing for us, Dave, and we really should think of coming to life, man, because I think. The parallel described, you know, I loved it. I loved when you initially told me about it, and I love it even now because the timing is like we need to really connect as much tissue as possible together to, re- to really edify, you know, the community, the culture, the zeitgeist, um, race, you know, creed, color, um, socioeconomic class. All these are just stacked right. on top of each other right now. Now and series because we want to make sure subjects to light and and help help change not only the narrative but help change the actions right and the outcomes. So I want to leave you with this: we have we have a website that we've dedicated specific to this topic. It's athletics.com/slash/blm, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give the the viewers of our slate of guests. We have Mary Libby Schaff. She's going to be our guest next, nice. uh, followed by 
uh, Alicia Garza from Black Lives Matter. She's going to be a guest coming up. Uh, we're interviewing Barbara Lee, a Congresswoman from Oakland, in a few weeks. So, you know, if you got any words of wisdom or <clears throat> things you'd like as a final thought, and and those those people who we have soon, what would you have for them? What would you? What are, What are your messages? Um, that I would just say, just to just to to, to be unafraid, be unafraid to be unafraid about telling the truth. Um, the truth is sometimes it's hard to say. It's hard to say. It's, it, it, it's hard to say, and it's it's hard. But just to be honest about it, yeah. to be honest about it, and to at the same time to just understand that we're on our way. We're making positive steps. Um, it, it it's still early in 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 getting to where we want to go. It seems like you know it can feel like we feel like we we should already be we should already be there, but still very very early. It wasn't that long ago. Wasn't that long ago that Rosa Parks was just sitting on sitting on the front of the bus and had to fight to not sit on the back of the bus? That wasn't that long ago. Like my like my mother was alive, mm. you know what I mean? That wasn't that long. So we still have a long way to go, and it's just going to take uh, honesty. It's going to take a lot of hard work, but inside of that hard work, like it's going to be uh, a lot of great moments. I feel like we've been, there's been a lot of great moments already, um, and you know. Speak about Oakland. Speak about Oakland because I feel like Oakland of all, all cities in the in 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 history, in in the people will look back at Oakland as one of the greatest cities in the world. Really do believe it. I feel like our uh, our grandsons and granddaughters and dancers and granddaughters look at Oakland as being mecca of, of of strength, the mecca of like of black. Like people, the mech of, of of being unafraid, and not just being unafraid, but being uh, but moving past that fear to make change. It's it can it can be scary sometimes. Um, That's what's up. It can be scary sometimes, but we just got We have to we have to continue. We have to continue, and we have to bring it as close to the forefront as possible. So, man, you got me thank pumped you, up. Really, thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Oakland. I love you. Thank you so much for everything, and I continue to do my part. Man, you got me pumped, Taj. You got me pumped, and it's it's been a pleasure and an honor. And you know, I'm serious. I'm gonna put this on wax right now. I want to work with you. I want you to help document my story too. You know, we've seen Boomerang. You know, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Um, you know, he's that was like my favorite movie growing up because at the time I was trying to aspire to work in advertising and you know be the advertising executive and you know. Live that whole lifestyle with the loft. You know, I had the loft downtown LA, cross yeah. center, like like Marcus Graham. Uh -huh. all that. You know, so man, I feel like now story of 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 the ascension. You know, the the black professional, right? The black athlete, the black creator, right? And you know, I, I need your help. I need your help to make that come to life, man. And and this is part of that story now. You know, um, yeah, the background. Your your experience, your name, like. our name, man, our name. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> hey, man, I want to thank you for doing your for doing your part in making that and making Taj because my they speak of Taj, they speak of me or you know. Thank you for making that name, man. Like making it, making it and making me proud. You know, I I, I check you out. I'm like, what's Taj going over yeah. there, man? You know what I'm saying? Okay, so, no. you know what I'm saying? Let's, let's do your thing. Temptation people are like, you know, you guys, you two really need to. Talk, you know, you should really. It, it'll happen, and it's not a coincidence that our face to face and our first 
you know, like conversation that's of this length um, and of, um, you know, of this importance, you know, this level of importance, it would be would be now. And uh, I'm happy that it, it, it gets me this conversation versus but the, the broken yeah, area. So it's a I, I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of that. And, you know, and, and God is good, yeah. man. And God, God is good, brother. No, I appreciate you, man. So we'll be in touch soon. We need Absolutely. you to hear help tell these stories. We need your, we need your ear. We need your eye. We need, we need your words, brothers. So it was, it was an honor, man, to, to talk to you today. Absolutely. And, you Absolutely. know, it's just a of many conversations. Likewise. Love you. All right, my brother. Peace. Hey. Love. All right. Cheers. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.